What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and my good friend, Matt Marcus, talking some baseball. We talk All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We give a preview on the general sense. Then we dive in. Matt is a big Mets fan. We talk about what he wants out of the Mets, what I want out of the Phillies. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, though, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your podcasts. ThunderBLG is the Twitter handle. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think about it. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com, the namesake of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, finally, and I say that because I went on his podcast maybe over two years ago now, but it is my good friend, old friend, Matt Marcus. Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, uh... Could be better with the Phillies losing four out of five. We're here to talk some baseball. Trade deadline's coming up, so we're going to talk a little bit of that. But, you know, it's the middle of the summer. It's my favorite time of the year. And, you know, couldn't be better. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%, man. Yeah, so the trade deadline is less than a week away. It's August 2nd. And before we jump into that, because we didn't do a show last week because the All-Star game, and then it was my birthday, and we were do- my wife and I were doing stuff there. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? We had the home run derby. We had the all star game. We had players mic'd up. Matt, I know you said you watched the derby a little bit of the all star game. What were your thoughts coming out of it? Yeah, man, I, I'm a big fan of the the derby in general, and just even like the whole week. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's breaking news, but clearly baseball does it better than any other sport. Absolutely. You know, there's there's flaws for sure, and there's no perfect way to do any of this, but. You know, I, I've said for years, baseball is one of those sports like you can't go half-assed with it. No. Other sports, you take off defense. Yeah, maybe you're not throwing 102, although those guys do try to do that. Yeah, a couple so, of them Right. Once you're, once you're within the, uh, the white lines, it's a real game, and you can't say that about the other major sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I don't think I've watched the Pro Bowl, aside from maybe being on a – at a bar because it's usually uh, like somewhere around President's Day or around a three-day weekend, somewhere in there. Sometimes it was on MLK weekend, and now with this yeah. change in the NFL schedule and everything. like Outside of that, I don't think I've actively tuned into it. I'll watch the NBA and the NHL, but like you said, you know, that you can remove stuff. The NHL now does the three-on-three tournament. But for me, like growing up, the All-Star game was always awesome. There's a lot of good memories from the 90s of those games, those home run derbies. And, yeah, it's much-watched TV for me. I will go out of my way to make sure that I'm on my couch for the intros to watch the game. And now with the Home Run Derby being kind of a set two-and-a-half-hour, almost three-hour event like a regular game, you know, you're, you know what you're going into it with the, the timed aspect to it, you know, whatever 
quote unquote controversies aside, but it's still for fun and it's still fun to watch. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, I, I look, the home run derby is fantastic. Uh, I don't think it's without its flaws like yeah. anything else. And I was trying to think earlier today of, is it better to go back to the old system where you just got 10 outs? But to your point, some of those games or some of those uh, events, you really had no idea how long they were going to take. Totally. So from a, from a fan perspective of, man, it's, it's almost 11 o'clock here. I got to get up the next morning. Yeah. Or from a, from a broadcasting standpoint of not, you know, I didn't care about the captains, you know, episode oh, yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. um, but from that standpoint, it is nicer to have more of an idea of how long something's going to take. Totally. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I think the last one before they changed the format, I think because they, they started doing the bracket instead of just we're going to whittle down the players until it's a final two. I think it went until like 1 a.m. And it was I remember watching it. I remember like I remember having fun, like seeing Cespedes kind of he was doing almost like what Pete Alonzo was doing, going back to the gym, getting pumped between between rounds and everything. And I think he that's the year he live tweeted, you got to come take this belt from me. And then he wins it. That's a cool story. But like you're staying up to your point, like. I wasn't working then. It was right before I started my uh, my first job at Vanguard. But it like it was that you know if it was a year later and I'm working, I got to wake up for a six a.m. train. I would have just yeah. tuned out after the first round. And now it's eleven o'clock, and I can just you know go to bed and wake up the next morning. Yeah, it, it's much easier to plan from a spectator. I mean, think about the people who are there. Now, granted, it was in L.A., so it. It's not like it would, I mean, it was only like, what, eight o'clock when that was over. But yeah. depending on when it is, if it's on the East Coast, those fans have to then get out of town at oh, yeah. two, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, whatever. Yeah. Depending on where it is, it could be, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that goes, that gets thrown yeah. into it, whether it's, you know, in the suburbs, now you got to drive back to the other side of the city or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But you, you mentioned the point of changing it back to the 10 swings. I go back and forth with it. Because from a competition perspective, like this year, there was more than ever of the home runs after the buzzer. I keep going back and forth, but I think just from the, and maybe this is just me getting older, of the, it it ends at 11. I know that, and I can t- tune into it. And especially, you know, once you start having kids and everything and letting them watch it, it at least, like, there's a beginning, middle, and end that you know when it's ending. So, like, and at the end of the day, like, people were freaking out about the Pujols-Schwarber stuff, and I, I didn't really care. I like Kyle Schwarber. He's obviously a Philly, but... You know, at the end of the day, it's just all expedition or ex- exhibition. Yeah, that'd be a good way to put it. And and that's the thing, you know, but these guys do take it seriously. There's yeah. there's a million dollars at stake. Oh, yeah. Um, let's be honest. You could gamble on it. Yeah. So you, you do want to have you do want to make sure it's on the up and up. But but that's that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like going back to 10 swing or, or 10 outs was probably not the best situation, but what I want to see is more consistency. Absolutely. And have if you're going to have a rule that you can't pitch until the ball lands, then stick to it. Yeah. And totally. I think the the first year they might have, but now nobody does. And even from one guy to the next last week, you know, Julio Rodriguez was getting it rapid fire. Yeah. Some other guys weren't doing that. So yeah. There's, there's definitely no consistency with in that regard. But, man, I did come up with a way that I think mixes it up a little bit. Yeah, you were telling me about it, this. 
And what I think would be a good way to do it is keep keep the time format. That's fine. Like I said, add some consistency, make rules and stick to them. But what I would do instead of the bracket in in the first round, I would just have everybody go their allotted time. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole seating aspect is a little ridiculous to begin with. Yeah. You know, Pujols comes in as a favor to Major League Baseball because it's cool. The guy has, what, like five home runs this year? Yeah. So, sure, he's seated number eight. But if you recall, and I, I went back the first year that Pete Alonso won it in 2019, Christian Yelich was the number one seed. He pulls out right at the last minute, and Matt Chapman goes in to replace him. Well, Chapman becomes the number one seed, and he's immediately destroyed by Vladdy Jr. Yeah. Now, they weren't going to reseed, but what I would do is give everybody whatever three, four minutes. I won't even do, like, the extra bonus time. Just all eight of you go in some order and get your three, four minutes, whatever the time is. And I would take the top four from there. I like that. And then I would put it into a bracket. So I played out how last week would have played out. Okay. And I, let me give you the caveat of Soto and Alonzo. They stopped when they beat their opponent in round one. So they didn't do the entire timeline. Yeah. So it's hard to officially say where they would have been. But you look at how things played out. And I, Schwarber and Pujols, they got 13 in regulation. Yeah. Right? Albert Pujols, we know, advanced after the tiebreaker, but he hit 13 in regulation, and Corey Seager, who hit 24, was done. Yeah. So what I would have done is Rodriguez had 32, Seager 24, Alonzo 20, Acuna 19. Now, Seager and Acuna both lost in the first round. Those were the four that I would advance. Soto had 18 albeit, again, he didn't go the whole time, although I think he went pretty close to the end. He was close, yeah. I, I think he just barely beat Ramirez, who had 17, and then you had Schwarber and Pujols each with 13. You don't need a tiebreaker no. in that situation, unless it was between you know guys four and five. So to me, my scenario, two guys that did advance, including the overall champion, wouldn't have come out of round one. Yeah. You have Then you say, okay, Seed off that first round. So I'd go J-Rod against Acuna, Seager against Alonzo. Yeah. And that's where you can start doing the head-to-head. Um, he got two over 440, so he gets an extra 30 seconds. And then you have the final, which obviously is, you know, the advancing guys from those semifinals. Yeah. I, I think it doesn't change too much, but honestly, it changed half the field moving forward. And – I I would do that. It, it doesn't change a darn thing about the excitement level or any of that. But if you wanted to mix it up, I think that's the way to do it, as well as trying to get a little bit more consistency with the pitchers. I like that idea a lot because then, to your point, like you're getting in the full experience of all eight guys. If you do have a guy drop out at the last minute, now there's not some sort of weird, you know, Chapman becomes a one seed kind of thing and, and see where guys are going there. And it really does keep it keep it open to that concept, and especially the fact that like you get your time with a guy, and you don't have to worry about like oh he faced 
Pete Alonso and Pete Alonso just hit however many home runs. He's got to catch up to him. You can just enjoy the four minutes, and then if he doesn't qualify, you know, sorry, yeah. but there you go. Well, and that's a big part of it. You you get the full allotment, and but we also see what you can do. Like like I said, uh, Alonso he had more time once he beat uh, once he passed Acuna, he was done. Well, maybe he gets to twenty three or twenty four. Yeah. Maybe he's now the second seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, you doing away with the the seeds in the first round. It just it, it's odd going the way that you do with with my scenario. You're at least seeding based off what they just accomplished. And then honestly, if we really wanted to mix it up, I would take your one and your two seed, and I would say, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Yeah. Because they always say the lower seed goes first, and then they, you know, the, the favorite, so to speak, you get to call your shot. Well, they mentioned the other night that Alonzo would actually prefer to go first, although it didn't. I, I don't think it. No, it didn't work then. No, he. I'm sorry. He 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 did go. He did go second. Um, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work, but some guys want to set that tone. So if you want to, all right, you go first. Let the other guy have to catch up. Or you may say, I want to see what that guy does, so then I know I can rest for the finals, depending on how it plays out. Totally. Yeah. I think this is I think this probably has some legs to it. And this we should submit this to uh to Manfred and see if he if he wants to take that idea. But I I love that. So you mentioned you watched some of the game. I watched the entire thing and I thought the, the game was fine. It wasn't a high scoring affair. They were trying yeah. to give all the big pop. He was like, Oh, they're gonna hit six home runs. I think what, they had three or something like that. But the big talk of the town was the mic'd up, and I don't know at what point did you tune out, but the it started off a little slow, I thought, with Manoa with the mic, and at first he just did not care. And then it got better once he started asking for the scouting report, and then it started becoming funny, and then it failed <laughs> in the field and everything. But the right Trev- Trevino and um, Nestor Cortez, that was just the highlight of it and proved where that can function, at least in an all-star game factor you can't have you know you can't have Jacob deGrom or Zach Wheeler or Max Scherzer or whomever with a microphone on on Sunday Night Baseball but in that that perspective you can do that whereas you know outfielders have had it on Sunday Night Baseball for most of the season yeah I I love it I I love whether it is Sunday night or the all-star game it it gives an insight to the players that the fan base we, we just don't normally get yeah um so for the game itself, I, I was kind of going in and out with it. Um, I, I pulled it up on my phone a little bit. And then if I saw, okay, that the, I'm a Mets fan for anybody that doesn't know that yet, but um, you know, okay. I saw McNeil was, was due up. Let me put it back on. Okay. Let me see. I saw, I saw a Pete Alonso bat. So I was going in and out. I put it on at the end to see if Edwin Diaz was going to get in disappointed in the moment when he didn't but then i don't know if you saw any of the the news that came out afterwards and and i know he helped out a lafayette guy so i don't know how you feel about that (laughs) but um i thought it was super cool that he was like look i've been here before this kid hasn't let him pitch the knife yeah so um but to to your question about being mic'd up no i i I wouldn't i don't think a pitcher or certainly a catcher uh, who have to really be in on, on every moment of the game. Uh, I don't think they should be mic'd up, but 
Um, I, I really do like it. Sometimes you get some good stories. Yeah. You, you get, like I said, you get the insight of somebody's personality that, that you, we just don't have access to. Absolutely. You know, Major League Baseball does not do a great job of, of really letting us know who these guys are. Yeah. So this is a way at, when they do it in spring training, a lot of times, uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I honestly didn't see much of it the other night when I was going in and out. I didn't get much of those interactions, but in, yeah. in years past and, and certainly Sunday nights, I, I think it's been fantastic. I think so too. And I think that Trevino, he kept it on when he was when he and Cortez are going back and forth, and that was really cool to hear. Again, you can't do that in regular regular season game, but then Trevino kept it on yeah. for his at bat, which was pretty awesome to, to see. He ends up getting a single. And they're like, oh, do you want to try to get a double? And he goes, no, nah, it would have been out by a mile. Like, And he's mm-hmm. he really ate it up, which I thought was really cool. Because you're exactly right. And and at the point where Giancarlo Stanton had it, he's like, oh, I sat up you know, right in those bleachers right there. And that gave him you know, some fodder for when Stanton hits the home run in the next inning. Be like, it's right where he was sitting. And then, right. yeah, on Sunday Night Baseball, it is, it is very cool. But, yeah, my original point, the Manoa one, he... The first two batters, he struck out one, and he's kind of just like, they're trying to ask questions, and it got awkward. So it really shows the limitations to it with pitchers. So let's not, ESPN mm-hmm. don't get any ideas for pitchers on, right. in a regular season game, even though I don't, I don't think they would have. But let's move on. Trade deadline, we mentioned it. It's coming up August 2nd, 6, 6.01 p.m. is the official time, <laughs> although like with all these, all these other trade deadlines, they're – are plenty that get submitted we don't hear about until hours ahead. Yeah. Matt, what I want to lead with, and this was the talk of the All-Star Week because of the news over the weekend before, with Juan Soto, do you think he's going to get traded before the deadline? Uh, I mean, that's the million-dollar question or the the $500 million question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've honestly gone back and forth quite a bit with this. At the end of the day, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I agree. And I think, first of all, the asking price, we're not talking about an expiring contract, a pending free agent. We're talking about a guy who has this playoff run and then two full years of arbitration. And they're going to want the moon. And I just don't know that it's fiscally responsible, as, as yes. odd as it is to say that in, in the sports world today. I don't know that it's responsible to give all that up, plus the monetary investment that it's going to take, even without an extension. And and that's the thing that, you know, people look at what he turned down, what he's going to want. Now, first of all, to turn down $450 million, all that tells me is he does not want to be a national for the next decade and a half. Yeah. I, I don't I realize he's represented by Scott Boris, but I, I don't think it necessarily means this guy wants a half a billion dollars. Like he's gonna get paid. Yeah. But I don't I don't think he turned it down because of the money. He turned it down because yes, he got a ring there, but the likelihood of them competing for the next decade is slim, to be perfectly honest with you. Totally. So the money aspect aside, but you don't really have to worry about that for another two and a half years. But the thing is, he's already making $22 million this year in arbitration. It's safe to say, provided that there's not an extension or buying out his arbitration, he's going to be making north of 25 next year. And then in 2024, when he's 
arbitration eligible again, he's going to get close, if not surpass $30 million. For one guy, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to absorb that. Yeah. And so, oh, oh, the idea of, well, we've got a lot of prospects. We can do that, sure. But that's like half of some other team's total payroll. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to be a case where they're – there's as many suitors as possible. And you think of the ones that, that are in the mix, you know, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cardinals, you throw in the Mets, the Padres, these teams already have those $300 million guys. Yeah. Yes. Somebody can afford it. Maybe somebody will, but I just don't, I think the I think the prospect hall that they're going to look for is going to be too great to make a move this week. Is that different in the off season? Next year's trade deadline, maybe. But I don't. I don't know about it. I, I'm going to say no. He's not moved. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're the Nationals, you have nothing but time to try to get the the halo offer that you want for exactly what you just said. The payroll, everything there. This smells like an off season deal, similar to Lindor to the Mets or any other any number of other trades that have happened in the last couple of off seasons. It just doesn't Mookie Betts. Yeah, Mookie oh, that's a perfect example of Mookie Betts. And that it just doesn't really scream to me of it of the Nationals really don't have anywhere to go. They have other guys that they want to try to get out like a Josh Bell or I've heard Nelson Cruz thrown out, thrown around. I don't know if he actually gets moved or not, but maybe, who knows, the the Braves traded for him last year. Um mm. But I feel like they're they're probably going to focus more on those of trades that are realistic to get done and more traditional trade deadline moves, if that makes sense. Well, here's the other thing that I, I can't wrap my head around. Everybody keeps looking at the, the impending sale of the franchise as this is the reason we need to make this move now. I don't know that that's actually a factor. Yeah. The, the next owner honestly should have a say in do we want to build around Juan Soto or do we want to have a clean slate? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know where things stand on that front. So if the Lerner family wants to, to make that move, but to me, I think the franchise is devalued by getting rid of Juan Soto. That's a really good point. And like, like I said, they, they may want to use him in the leverage of, Hey, you've got this guy. You figure out what you want to do. If you want to trade him, great. The, yeah. the only the only reason that I hesitate and say it could happen this week is because his value is probably the greatest it will ever be right this second because of the two and a half years of control. But like I said, with that comes the excess price and the idea of, well, we'll sweeten the pot if somebody takes – uh, Corbin or Strasburg, some of these awful contracts. Yeah. Let, let's trade Soto and, and get some of that relief as well. Well, the thing is, first of all, that's just going to diminish your return. If the Yankees are going to take on an awful contract, they're not giving you four or five great prospects. They're only going to yeah. give you three. Yeah, exactly. And something else that I saw, the the contracts that they have on the books for the rest of this year and beyond, are very minimal. Yeah. So as bad as the Corbin or Strasburg contracts are, it's 
it's not like you're you're paying a lot of money to begin with. Sure. So I don't even think that that's that's something that really has to be a factor. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's going to be really it if it does happen this week. It's a Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Yankees. Maybe not the Astros. I'm not sure, but like a team that's right there that knows that they have a real opportunity to try to win the World Series this year and stay competitive for the next couple of years, and they just determine we cannot win. Maybe cannot, but this increases our probability of winning the World Series so exponentially that giving up oh, yeah. four or five guys or even more than that, because I've seen it's a mix of major league players and prospects. So if they say we're going to you know, maybe trade in a, you know, what an everyday player or maybe a utility guy, the, the Nationals can pick and choose however they want to use them. Right. If that really, if it becomes that, or if there's a serious injury, that obviously that's how Manny Machado ended up on the Dodgers in 2018. Like that could po- play a factor, and then maybe there is this panic: we need to get a guy to replace our corner outfielder, our DH spot, or wherever, and try to pull the trigger there. That's really like the only way I could really see this thing get done. But it, at this point, if it's going to get done, it has to be one of those big market teams that has the facilities to do it. Cause I can't see the, na- the nationals being like, Oh, we'll retain it this year. And then when he goes to arbitration, you take over that payroll. It's going to be, no, here you go. And, you know, really have to have some sort of gun to somebody's head. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you and I are both in agreement. We don't think it's going to happen. It absolutely could happen. C- certainly for all the reasons that you just said. And I truly believe if one of those teams in the mix gets Juan Soto, they become the favorite to win the whole thing. Absolutely. And because the teams we're talking about, the Mets, and you know, we can get into whether or not they would want to trade in the division. Uh, I have my doubts, but look, if the Mets put the best prospects together and the best package, they'd be silly not to do so. so but the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, you know, those teams are, are already first-place teams. So those those teams get better, obviously, with a guy like like Juan Soto. Um, you know, the Padres are right there in the mix. You know, some of these other ones you mentioned, the Astros, all great teams. And he makes them that much closer to the World Series. Yeah. And that could be what what propels some of these teams. Look, the, the Mets haven't won since 86. The Yankees, it's not as long, but 2009 was a long time ago. Sure. Uh, the Dodgers have been in the mix and just won it a couple of years ago, but they're not somebody to shy away from these kind of moves. No. So at the end of the day, if somebody feels like this is their best chance to do it, maybe they do try to wow the Nationals because you have a legit superstar on a Hall of Fame track that is available at 23 years of age. Yeah. <laughs> That's I don't factor care what, how young he is. Right. <laughs> I don't care what kind of prospects you have to give up. And if, if it were the Mets giving away four of their top five guys, and those guys haunt the Mets for the next decade, who cares? Yeah. Five, if, five it forever. Brings a, if it brings a championship now or in the next two years, I'm okay with all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think it's like a like when Bryce Harper waited so long to sign with the Phillies, and then you saw dominoes go down with the 
free agency. I think we're going to see trades out outside of that. The only other one that I also think is a, it's not a non-zero chance, but it's, it's pretty low. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. I keep seeing more and more. I told you I read some primers today. Trojo Otani's name keeps popping up. I don't think he's moving. Do you think he is? No, I, I don't think he is either. Um, and the other aspect, I believe it's another. It's another year. I think there's it's one more year. So it's kind of along the same lines of you can get a bigger haul right now if you trade him with a year and a half to go. Yeah. Um, that being said, I I don't think he re-signs in L.A. for the money that it would take. First of all, you have a $400 million contract with Mike Trout. And clearly, two of the best players in the world in their prime haven't been able to make the playoffs. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense for the Angels to, to re-sign him. It doesn't make sense for him to re-sign there unless they wanted to unload Mike Trout. Um, I don't know that that is the move really. So I, I give you the same answer. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you could figure out a way, you know, this team needs, Something. they need help yeah. across the board. And if, if you can get four or five prospects and, or one or two major league ready guys right now, either in the majors or on the doorstep, I think you have to consider it. And the fact that they're at least fielding calls, I love the fact that Billy Epler was the one who brought him to L.A. with the Angels. So maybe there's something there with the Mets. Um, but again, I, I just I, – I don't think now is the time. We might get off-season trades of both of these guys. Um, I don't know about right now. And it's yeah. interesting you brought about kind of like the, the flurry of events – I do think we're going to see some big names because I think when you look at maybe not those ginormous names, but you look at all the teams that we just mentioned that are our first place teams in the mix. You throw in the Braves as the defending champions. You throw in some of these other teams that are right there. It is a jumbled mess. These teams have to find a way to separate themselves. Totally. So I do think, I don't think it's going to be a, a quiet deadline. I don't think it's going to be a, a dud. But one of the reasons that we haven't gotten a lot yet is I, I looked at some things before. In both leagues, obviously you have your three division leaders. You also now have three wild cards. Certainly. So there's six teams making the playoffs. And in both leagues, you have five teams that are within eight and a half games of the wild card. So those teams, and maybe some of them are on the fringe, you're looking at 11 teams in each league that right now says, you know what? We can do this. Yeah. We can make the playoffs potentially. Certainly. That only leaves, that only leaves four teams in each division. So eight total teams that right now you can say are sellers. So you look at a team like the, um, the Orioles, they might be buyers and sellers. So those teams need to figure out what are we going to be next week? before we know who's actually available. Yeah, and I think you you just really hit a nail on the head of all this trade deadline stuff I've read has had various different tags thrown on to teams. You're right, the Orioles have had both thrown on. But we saw this the first year of the two wild cards, the first couple years of it, where 
we still had the the waiver wire deadline and and that ended up being much more of a you know fanfare where guys like oh, yeah. Justin Verlander got moved because teams really wanted to have that extra month and now we don't have that so really teams really need to make a decision on what they want to do this year and see how they want to go I think the Orioles are such an interesting one because they're so young they have guys that are practically untouchable that they don't want to give up. I don't know where else in their prospect pool is close to major league ready or where they want to go or have some sort of flyer. If they end up just saying, you know what, this is becoming a, you know, if say they lose five in a row before the, before the trade deadline, they say, you know what, we put the scare into some teams. Maybe we unload Trey Mancini. It's going to be really, it, really interesting, but I feel like, I feel like there's still going to be some deals done because the A's stink, and they have three names that are certainly out there that teams are going to oh, want to yeah. add in. And we have the other Reds. teams that are like that. The Reds, certain Reds have a bunch. They have a lot of guys that could just – they could end up being one of the biggest trade trade movers around. But there are teams it, that are going to be – It's amazing, though. It's amazing. We're talking about, you know, the Reds, the Nationals, the the Pirates, all these lousy teams. And you say, oh, they've got all these – great players that we can acquire yeah. if they're all so great why is why it trade them better? yeah yeah <laughs> but, Detro- but why are we talking about like 30 win teams yeah and detroit saying we're unloading everybody and they're now you know two games away or i guess three because they have they played they have they have games in hand i guess is why they're ahead but like they've oh, just said yeah. you know the doors are open for all these players and we've seen special torkelson go up and down he's down right now and you know a number of different guys that are you know, top prospects for them. So they have veterans they could try to move, but it is going to be really, really fun to see these teams that have, you know, basically said the doors are open. We're listening and see how many of these guys actually get moved. Cause there's a whole laundry list of players, but oh, yeah. really how does it end up going? Well, and that's the thing because you have, these teams are going to have to be honest with themselves and the honest assessment. And you look at some of these teams that are, are quote-unquote close. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies at seven games out of the, the wild card, the Rangers at eight and a half. You know, are you really a playoff team? Probably not. Yeah. You know, are you within striking distance? Sure. But you brought up the, the old August 31st deadline, which no longer exists. Well, we're only two days past what it normally would have been of July 31st. So everything has to happen right now. Yeah. And like I said, some of these teams are still trying to figure it out. We will see moves. Oh yeah. You know, the, the, these teams. And, and like I said about the Orioles, some of these teams might be buyers and sellers. Yeah. You know, the Red Sox may unload like a JD Martinez because he's a pending free agent, but it wouldn't surprise me if they acquired say a Dom Smith from the Mets. Yeah. Who's under control doesn't have a spot on the team and can play defense, which I don't know if you've seen those videos oh, yeah. rolling it's, around on Twitter. It's, the uh, Red Sox can't play defense. They, they make the Phillies look like gold clovers. <laughs> which is hard to do. Which is hard to do. As uh, there's been many, many a highlight tape, including Reese Hoskins on Monday. All right, so Matt, you mentioned you are a Mets fan. We'll start with your team, and then we can dive over to the Phillies because the Mets are in first yeah. place. They're one of those teams that should be heavy buyers. I want to know what are you looking for the Mets to do in general, and what's the first move you'd want to see them do? I think the biggest thing that they need to do is they need to find some pop in the lineup. Sure. They need to add some. Um, After 
five in a lineup, six, seven, eight, nine, many times just goes down with a whimper. And so that's the catcher position, whether it's Wilson Contreras is a name that's being thrown out there, but a lot of teams that need catchers are looking at Contreras. Um, somebody to be a DH. I mentioned Dom Smith. I would drive him to Boston if need be. <laughs> Seems like a nice guy, had a great 2020, but has not lived up to any of the hype as a first-round pick. And the DH position for the Mets has been a black hole, specifically with the combination of Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. And I say that knowing that when Pete Alonso DHs, most of the time, honestly, he hits a home run. Mm. So even with that, the DH has been extremely quiet, whether that's uh, a Trey Mancini. I know they just picked up uh, Vogelbach from the, from the Pirates. He only hits righty pitchers, so they need somebody who can mash lefties. And that really isn't J.D. Davis. Um, they also need help in the back end of the bullpen. To get Vogelbach, they, they traded Colin Holderman, who was having a really good rookie year. And it's tough to see that kid go, but at the same time, he pitched 17 innings. Yeah. You know, are we worrying so much about that? It, but that's where they need they need to do something with the bullpen. Now, here's here are two things that help. Jacob DeGrom, right now as we record, is pitching in AAA. Honestly, he gave up a solo shot and a three-run home run, so he's not pitching all that great, <laughs> but he's pitching. Yeah. So he could make his next start for the Mets and hopefully many more the rest of this year. Trevor May out of the bullpen is making rehab starts, or not starts, but appearances. He could be ready to go potentially next week. That is somebody that will help the back end. So they don't have a lot of glaring needs, but – Catcher has not produced at the plate. Third base has been hit or miss, honestly, but you can deal with Eduardo Escobar. Catcher, DH, and the back end of the bullpen are the areas that the Mets desperately need to address, whether that's calling up their top prospect, who's now the number one prospect in, in baseball, and Francisco Alvarez. It's Contreras, as I mentioned. They don't have to go out and get Juan Soto. If they did, it would be fantastic. Yeah. But it's not a need for the team. They could sign him in two and a half years and give him whatever they want if he wants to. But that's not something that has to happen right now. Yeah, totally. And the, the other guy, I think, we mentioned the A's a little bit, but is Sean Murphy, would that be, I, I think Contreras is probably the, the 1A that you would want. Is Murphy a guy that could still fit that need if, you know, I don't know what Oakland's asking for. We just they're already getting pot shots from NFL GMs, but is that a guy that you'd be interested in? Yeah. Yeah. No, no question. I, honestly, James McCann was not all that great. Uh, and, and let me say, I'm talking about at the plate. Yeah. The Mets catchers by and large are pretty good behind the plate. Uh, Tomas Nito threw out a guy last night um, in a, in a huge spot against the Yankees. Uh, the McCannon uh, has a cannon for an arm. So when they're there, but the problem is McCann's been on the DL, the injured list now twice. Um, 
And these guys only hit about 200. If you got production from the DH, then you can afford a defensive first catcher. Yeah. The problem is, like I said, six, seven, eight, nine are usually walking outs, and that's a problem. Anybody who can call a good game behind the plate, maybe contribute with a, a hit or two, uh, I think the Mets should be talking to. And, and if you could work out a deal where you get um, – I don't think the Mets need a back-end starter. Yeah. But depending on if you were looking for some some depth or if anybody has a has a bullpen arm. That's why the Cubs are in dialogue because it's Contreras and maybe a, a Robertson. Yeah. And do the two for one or you know get fill both those needs in the same deal. Yeah. That's a really good point because there are there are those teams we use the A's as the the punching bag if you will, but like a Cubs are such an interesting team because they could probably knock out a couple of those tradeaways for a either major league ready guy, a guy who's a top prospect that could be ready next year. And really like those teams have a little bit of leverage on that, on that side, because, you know, if you're any team, whether it's the Yankees, the Mets, Dodgers, the Braves, you mentioned the Cardinals, you know, if you're really thinking this guy can really fill a hole and, and really increase our odds of, you know, the Central's been a dogfight. The Braves have been red hot, but you know we'll see what they do, and we'll see what random little move they make at the deadline that makes them over the top and continues my just sickness of them. They just they've always been, as you know, they've just always throughout my entire life always been good. Now they finally won a World Series. It's the only thing that we that we could have held over them is they hadn't won since '95, and they finally win. But they'll probably do something interesting. These teams will. They'll figure out something. And I think the Mets and I think what Steve Cohen's done along with their GM, who you mentioned is, you know, a savvy guy. They've made these moves that have some have been pushing the chips in. Some have been these sneaky moves that you kind of forget about. And I think what they can do, I think they have a lot. They have a lot to expend. I know their their prospect pool. You mentioned they have the top prospect in baseball. They have a lot of guys. If they really wanted to just go, we're going all in. We're going to put down the Rolex. We're really just going to go completely leveraged on this year they certainly can do that yeah there's, there's no doubt about it and you know you, you mentioned the Braves and and nobody wants to celebrate what they did but something they did last year at this time is they went all in and just grabbed every DH they could possibly have it yeah and I probably we probably made fun of them at the time but look they all produced yeah it you all know, Solera was MVP of what? Both series, uh, I think. NLCS of the World Series or whatever play, however it played out. Eddie Rosario had some huge hits. Jock Peterson had some huge hits. You know, hopefully that's kind of the blueprint of these teams that maybe want to like dip their toe in the water. But like, look, this team made a bunch of moves. And that's what the Mets did in the offseason. They, they spent a lot of money. They, they promised a lot of money. But they also went around for depth. You know, gone are the days. Obviously, you know, knocking on wood, you know, injuries happen. But, you know, we're not too far removed from you know, John Mayberry Jr. being the the uh, the cleanup hitter. And, you know, you see, you see these lineups from just a few years back. You're like, how could a major league team put this together? And I liked Mayberry when he was with the, the Iron Pigs and stuff. But, you know... The Mets right now, getting Vogel back over the weekend or whatever it was, like, it's not a sexy move. Yeah. 
but it gets the job done. It fills a need. It, it gets the job done. It fills a need. You still need to supplement him with, you know, the other side of the plate, but it's also not going to disrupt the clubhouse. Certainly. And something that they mentioned last night on the broadcast was, you know, he is kind of voted most popular guy in every clubhouse he's been in. And he's been in like four or five of them. Yeah. So somebody like that is going to help in, in many different ways. But um, you know, when it comes to the Mets, like I said, I, I don't see the, the big sexy splash of a, I would love an Otani. I would love a Soto, but you might see a couple of smaller deals to, to get the job done. And I mean, whether it produces a look, it, I know everybody's saying it, it's got to be World Series or bust. Well, look at the team across town that has over 60 wins. Yeah. That's on pace to challenge the all-time record for wins in a season. Look at the Dodgers and look at all these other teams. Like, There's nothing guaranteed about any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and you've seen it year after year with the Yankees and thinking, oh, this is finally the year that they're going over the edge and – there's been postseason woes. There's been yeah. various injury woes and all that sort of stuff. So it, it really is just putting yourself in a position that even if you are levered, that you can quickly unlever and figure out that on the other side of it. And I think with so many players going, and, and now we're going back to the general stuff, but so many guys that are going that have so many years of control, I think become yeah. such interesting trade pieces because of, A, what you'd have to give up to get them, but also they become guys that, and you mentioned Bednar, the, the Lafayette grad from the Pirates, and he's a guy that's under contract for another four years after this year. So if you want to give up a little extra to have him and hope that he continues from the, the you know past season and a half of pretty good baseball and getting the all-star appearance that you mentioned, you know, maybe that's worth it. And, and it shows your fan base, hey, this is a guy that's had a really good season for the you know not just this year, but he had a pretty good one last year. And we still have him for however many years. And, and here you go. You know, we're still going to make sure that we're not in two years or whatever going to, you know, going from 100 wins to 80 wins. And, you know, we're going right. to continue continue to going that way because, you know, not to turn this into the Phillies com- part of the conversation, but you saw it in 2011. They made all these different deals. And then in 2012, they literally went from 100 and whatever wins to I think they finished 8 and 1 in 81. And they went from being the buyers to trading Hunter Pence, cha- trading Shane Victorino. And a couple years later, once Jimmy Rollins got got a little more stock onto him, they traded him, and then finally Cole Hamels. And, you know, you can see the real cost of that. Yeah, and that's what these teams have to be careful about. It's one thing to be all in, but, you know, these teams don't want to be the Nationals yeah. where they, like, sell their soul for a championship, and then they're going to be in mediocrity or worse for the next decade. Yeah. You know, the, the Marlins did that twice, and it's like, okay, that's great. But who really wants to be a fan of that? Yeah, exactly. Where, sure, granted, there's fan bases that would love to get a championship. Don't get me wrong. But you want to make sure you're also setting yourself up. That's why going after a rental is difficult. But a guy with two and a half, two years is is certainly much better. You know, I mentioned Trey Mancini potentially for the Mets. I was looking at some of their, their bullpen pieces. And there's a couple of guys that have another two, three years of arbitration there too. So if you can work, I, 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 that's where I think the Mets are going to go, whether it's get two guys for, from the Cubs. And th- those are two bigger guys of Contreras and Robertson, although both of those guys 
would be free agents. Or you go, let me let me get a right-handed bat. Um, or I'm sorry, give me give me a guy who can go against a right-handed pitcher um, or left, whatever I want. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, at. yeah. Cut this in post. Um, <laughs> you know, get an, get another DH. Let's say who can also play the field in Mancini, but then get a back-end bullpen guy or somebody who can help you out there, but for the next couple of years. Yeah. That way, even if you do have to give up a prospect or two, it's not just for a couple of years. The Mets gave up a couple of guys last year for essentially two months of Javier Baez. And, yes, they got a throw-in pitcher who's actually been extremely helpful this year in Trevor Williams, but you got to be careful. This is for the Mets, for anybody. You can't mortgage the future for the win now because what I just said, you can have everything line up for you, but it still may not produce a championship because there's some really, really good teams out there. Yeah, and there's, you know, we've mentioned the Cardinals a couple different times, but that what's makes it's what makes them such a premier franchise in Major League Baseball. Of they make smart trades, they home grow pretty much all of their talent, and. They, I always joke, they seemingly find a guy walking out of rib joint in St. Louis that ends up hitting two home runs in Game Six of the World Series. You know, they're they're just that kind right. of a, of a franchise that ends up. They're just really smart in that way, and you know, they're a model that way. But there are other teams that try to that try to swing for the swing for the fences, to be quite literally punny, and you know, it falls short. And you see you see the ramifications of that. The Nationals is a really good example. The Marlins have tried to do it a couple other times since their 2003 World Series, and you know it's not worked out well for them. Either they have the hype, and they don't go well, or they have the surprising 2020 season, and now they've been in such a weird position of they have superstars, they have really good players, but they still have very glaring holes in other parts of their lineup. Yeah, and the Marlins are one of those interesting cases, too, where it seemed like every year they were the team to watch yeah and and they've got they've got some good pieces they've got some young pieces but you know basically if you're not um sandy alcantara you're you're up on the trading block today yeah so papa lopez is is becoming one of those guys of like how can we refresh let's trade this dude yeah and and that's hard to that's hard to certainly it's hard to sustain but it's hard to get excited about when it's a different roster every year yeah it was the Royals forever until they finally kept their guys and won back-to-back league pennants and a World yeah, Series. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I did not mean that as a, as a barb. Um, Sweet subject. Yeah. <laughs> but let's let's not totally wrap up because I have a couple rapid fires at the end, but talk a little bit about the Phillies. I know you despise the Phillies as a Mets fan, but I want to hear your thoughts on what you think they should do and what they could probably do, and I'll – pepper in my thoughts there because there's a lot of different different buzz i've been hearing on the internet from various different circles of fandom and, and writers and whatnot yeah you know what i think the i think the phillies should be cautious buyers yes um if there is somebody they could sell to to get something of value i would be willing to do that i, I could see this team kind of doing a little bit of both um you know, if you know, if you can get something for say like a Reese Hoskins, yeah, I would I would consider it. Hell, if you can get something for 
Castellanos, I would do that too, but I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be willing uh, at this point. Um, I, I think this team clearly, they need somebody to take over center field. Yep. And they need, Schwarber can only do so much without, without Harper. Yeah. Um, like I said about DeGrom coming back, Harper's going to be back within the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, certainly by the end of August, if you're still in the hunt. Yeah. Thumb crossed. If if you're, (laughs) if you're still in the hunt, then maybe he can give you that September push, but one guy is going to be difficult to to do that. Like every year, stop me where you heard this. They could use some bullpen help. Yep. Um, and honestly, I think they could use some back end of the rotation after, after Nola and Wheeler. There's there's not a lot to get excited about. No. There's a lot of there's a lot of like Bailey Falter starts and 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 stuff like that. So they have the pieces, man. As much as I as much as I don't like the team, you know, a healthy Harper, uh, a real Muto who actually hits, you know, Schwarber has been the bomb, you know. Yeah. But there's there's still a lot of holes with the team. So um, here's two crazy things I wrote down. Okay. I think it would not take much to get a guy like Joey Gallo okay. from the Yankees. Now, Joey Gallo has not been hitting. Um, maybe he needs to be able to grow his beard back, and, and he could do that. <laughs> in Philly. But he's also a guy that has played center field. Now, is he a center fielder? Not necessarily, but he'd probably be a, well. He he would be a better fielder than say uh, a Castellanos. Um, yes, he could be. He's a guy that is still feared. Although it's interesting, I looked at his I looked at his numbers earlier today. This guy is a two hundred one lifetime hitter. Why are we <laughs> acting like this guy? Now, granted, he was like two eleven in texas and now 180 or so with the yankees but why are we acting like this guy is in the biggest slump of his life he's not a good hitter to begin with but one of those years where he hit like 210 he mashed 38 home runs yeah so the yankees would want nothing else than to get rid of him i think you can grab him and honestly and it would scare the hell out of me i'd make a run at Syndergaard. Yeah, that's one that's been thrown around because you you mentioned back end of the bullpen and the the buzzword or buzz phrase I've heard it is a Kyle Gibson like acquisition, which. To be fair, Kyle Gibson's time at the Phillies wasn't very good, but coming off an all star season, which like is just putting alarm bells of like Dombrowski's going to go after like Martin Perez, the exact same scenario, the Rangers, the, a Rangers starter who made the all star game has been playing pretty well. Comes to the Phillies, it might not be great. I did just look it up, though. Last year, Gallo hit 38 home runs and batted 199. The two years that he eclipsed 40, it was 209 with 41 dingers. And then 207 with 40 dingers, but he had more ribbies, the highest of his career in 2018. And then he, last year, was batting 223 with, with Texas and 160 with the Yankees, which is what he's currently batting now for a batting average of 199, as I mentioned. But... right. Which is insane. So, that's a very good point of why are we acting like this This guy is ice cold. But at the same time... It's him. <laughs> it's him. It's exactly him. But going back to the Phils, yeah, like... Right, yeah. Seeing what they could do. Syndergaard's a name that's been thrown around. 
Uh, Perez, I haven't seen linked to the Phillies, but that just, when people say Kyle Gibson like, like I mentioned, that just, it's the exact same scenario. And there's no Ian Kennedy to throw into that deal. And I don't think they have a reliever the Phillies would want, but, you know, the Phillies have made very mind boggling reliever signers in the past. Chad Cool's yeah. name that's been thrown around, who's having a really good year in, in Colorado, which would be, would be fun just on the sense of, I don't know how great he'd make the Phillies, but guy went to Delaware. I got married to the same place as him. We went to his first game, which was really cool. Um, oh, yeah. I've told the story of the podcast. He bought the Delaware baseball team, all tickets to the game. He's playing for the pirates. So behind the pirates dugout, you have all the yellow and uh, all the yellow and black of Pittsburgh fans. Cause there's so many of them in Philly, but you also had just the light blue teal, whatever color you want to call it of the, of the Delaware baseball team. But yeah, yeah. P- picking up a guy there would be interesting, would be good. They definitely need a center fielder. What Dombrowski's come out and said is he's focusing on pitching. I would love another bullpen guy. A Bednar would be great because you lock him down. A reunion with Robertson because he, you know, basically pitched three games and then had Tommy John surgery and that was it. That would be right. fun. But yeah, they, they, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done. And I, I think you put you put it in such a good phrase of cautious buyers because really, unless you're trading a major league player like Reese you know, whomever on the team that's currently on the team. And then their top prospects. Some of them have shot up the prospect rankings this year. So our team's really buying into that. If you want to tell somebody, Hey, Derek Hall has been great against right-handed batters and has hit some serious home runs. Do you want, you, you want to take a flyer on him? However, you can try to do that to try to fix in something you mentioned with the Cubs Ian Happ's apparently on the, on the way out. That would be interesting if they could pull off something for him. I don't know if they have, I don't know if they could match the price, though, and that was the same thing when the Blue Jays went out and got Chapman of people were like, oh, why couldn't the Phillies get in on that? And it's they, they just really don't have the the amount of, you know, the amount to a- answer that price, especially when you saw what the, the Blue Jays paid for that. So it really right. becomes, and Harper even addressed it after the deadline last year, of we just really don't have the, the resources to make these deals happen. So seeing what they end up doing is going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun to see what what end ends up happening because we mentioned it this is little teeny tiny deals that in certain years for the Phillies have really paid off Tadahicho Taguchi in 07 with Joe Blanton in 08 like those those types of moves ended up being season changing type of things so it's oh yeah I, I don't know it, like and that's the, you know the risk reward it's like you know in 2018 when they traded for Aaron Loop and that didn't totally work out or Brandon Workman in 2019 and Pavetta's still on the on the Red Sox and the Phillies, the Phillies then traded for Brandon Workman again during the COVID season. But, um, yeah, you know, just seeing how those things can potentially work out, you know, there is some luck to it, but I don't know, like the Dombrowski method of what he did in Detroit and what he did in Boston of trading away everybody, he hasn't been able to do yet, but seeing how he's, how he needs to try to fill in those glaring holes and try to make this team a better fielding team. We mentioned it a couple different times here because, when Harper does come back, he'll probably still have to play the DH. So you still have to have Castellanos and right. And, you know, you need to get a, you know, Schwarber's a decent left fielder, but you need to have a guy in center that isn't Odubel Herrera making bonehead plays. Matt Fearling's been okay as a defense, as a defensive fielder. And he's had some, had his moments at the plate, but what are you really going to do there? there's been talk about what happens to, to Bryson Stott. He probably moves to shortstop, but he's played some center field and see what happens with that. Once Gene Segura gets healthy, which he's in, he's at the pigs right now. So hopefully they're 
they're saying he could be back on Sunday, but we'll see when he actually ends up coming back. So there's just yeah. all these different question marks that the team needs to address, and a lot of it starts in the pitching end. So that's why I really hope they go out, and I've been, I've been saying that every offseason season since, you know, Dombrowski took over for Klintak. And really, actually, I forget if Klintak was still the GM when they signed Zach Wheeler or not. But Zach Wheeler's really been the the home run signing, and it should have been Robertson. But again, three games and then, and the uh, not ACL, the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, you know what, and and that's the whole thing with. Look, um, I live in the Lehigh Valley, so I know I'm not far from obviously the Pigs at, and Reading. I, I feel like I have my my hand on the pulse of my finger on the pulse of of the minor league system. And yeah. Look, it, it hasn't been set up all that great. No. And I know that with Preston Mattingly, Mattingly, I think that's his name, you know, running the, running the show now with, with the development team, you know, maybe they're starting to get, to get on the right track, but that's where you have to be careful. Like, I don't know if a Robertson makes sense. Sometimes, you know, that ship has sailed, but you know, the idea of, going after rental players. I don't know if that really is the, is the play. Yeah. I, I would so. go after some of the, some of these guys that maybe could be on under control for a little while, but, and that's where maybe you need to use, like you said, a hall. I threw out a Hoskins, um, you know, maybe one of these young kids that you really don't want to give up, but since you don't have guys at the minors, maybe you can get rid of somebody. Yeah. You know, like Moniak hasn't panned out in center field. You know, yeah, like maybe, a Crawford for Zagora somebody, type of deal. Yeah, maybe somebody would take – look, and that worked out well. They've both been – Yeah, both have been – been good. Very good for their teams. But maybe a Moniak to, to the Orioles for one of their relievers under control would, would be beneficial for both sides. And, yeah, and that's where scenery. I say – Yeah, but buyers – within reason cautious buyers absolutely not to not to mortgage the future not to put yourself behind the eight ball even more so because realistically you're probably not going to catch the mets you're probably not going to catch the braves you're not far from the wild card they're only what a half game out half a game out at this point but are you better than the braves are you better than the padres are you better than the cardinals who are all likely to get better in the next week. Yes. Do you have enough to to pass all three of those teams? That is the big question. Yeah, and it what's so interesting about it is when they've played well, they've won their season series against both the Cardinals and the Padres, but you mentioned True. they're buyers. They're going to get better. So if they match up so the Cardinals do win the division, They'd probably have to play them in the in a three game all away wild card series, and how much better will they be? Is this going to be a scenario of 2015 where Cubs, Cardinals, and the Pirates are the three best teams in the National League and have to play in the the wild card game and then the first round? You know that that's a real scenario here because there are we mentioned it. There's so many players that teams could make these little deals little just tinkerings to their lineup to figure out how they're going to do it. So to answer your question, can they pass the Braves and Mets? No, definitely not. Can they try to tread water and, and fight for the wild card? Certainly. But really a lot of things have to go your way with guys getting healthy, staying healthy, 
We didn't men- mention Zach Eflin. They're really hoping that he comes back. But if you're th- going into a wild card series, I don't want him in a deciding game. Even if Nolan and Wheeler can, you know, each pitch seven innings and maybe we've gotten these most recent Zach Wheeler starts where the Phillies just can't score any runs for him. Right. And, you know, so we have to turn to insert player they acquired here instead of Eflin because Eflin's not very good on the road. He's had some good road starts, but he's not very good on the road. He's been better at Citizens Bank Park. Right. So they have to wait until hopefully getting through the series and getting to game three of the divisional round where they'd be back at Citizens Bank Park for him to have any sort of serious playoff impact. Well, here's the other thing, too. Let's say they tiebreakers, whatever, they make the playoffs. Yeah. You cannot win a playoff series with Schwarber, Castellanos, Bohm, and Hoskins in the field. Yeah. Oh, totally. I absolutely I have, I have agree. A, I have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking, you know, everything you're under a microscope. We know that when it comes down to the postseason and everything hinges on a player two. Yeah. And the lineup would be good, but I have a really hard time thinking that a team with that defensive alignment, you throw in Odubel Herrera in center. That's they, all these other guys <laughs> that are, that, that are, subpar in the field it's not built for success in the postseason no i totally agree and it's been when one guy's played better alec bohm has played better at third base recently and he's hit really well but then reese hoskins is a shitty or uh, i actually can curse on here has a terrible night at first base jt ramito has had a couple bad days behind the plate you know you're looking at that and and you're right it's one game costs it i mean literally that first game against the braves they get their first two runs because of a wacky bounce, but a couple of those runs happen because of the, on the Braves side because of errors on Reese's side. There's easy outs. They lost that wild Marlins game where they were down four, then they were up four because there were just bad plays in the field. You know, you're up four runs, and there's been plenty of that. There's the Mets game where they blew the seven run lead. So where, yeah, where they end up going? <laughs> I was in Nashville for that and just casually following along and. I had to turn to the, my buddy, the bachelor, who's also a Phillies fan, like, you're not going to believe this. And he was, he, he didn't care. He was on his bachelor party, but it was still like, you're just not going to believe this kind of thing. But I was, so I, we took my daughter to like a, a very small fair that night. And, and I was seeing the scores come through on like the MLB app, and, you know, home run here, home run there. Mets are destroyed. Like, all right, whatever. I'm not watching it. I get home for about, the ninth inning and I kept getting the, just the updates. Yeah. Okay. This happened, this happened. So I watched, I didn't put the game on. I watched like the play by play come through on the app until they tied it. And actually they took the lead. I, yeah. I think I put the ninth inning. I put the bottom of the ninth on finally just to watch it. But I'm superstitious, so since I wasn't watching it during the comeback, I didn't put it on until they actually took the lead. Yeah, I've uh, I've done that plenty of times at, at Flyers games. Of they score a goal and I'm in the bathroom or I'm still at the bar between between periods. We can't leave until another goal is scored. So I totally understand that big juju guy. Um, but yeah, so... I did the same for the no hitter. By the way, did you? Oh yeah, I I was following along. I finally put it on. I believe in the ninth. Yeah. Just to see the final out. Yeah. Just to see it. Yeah. 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 
Um, I did text after the Yankees got no hit by the Astros. I texted one of my buddies who's a Mets fan, being like, or actually a couple of my friends that are Mets fans, of like, is this the ultimate, you know hit the Phillies, the Yankees get no hit in however many years. And one guy goes, I don't care about the lesser teams, which is just so much better backed up now the now after last night, the Mets winning the first game against the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> but let's wrap things up. This has been uh, awesome. Definitely have we're not waiting this long again to do another podcast together. That's fair. What is what is a team of the big buyers that you think is gonna just stand pat, might get an F on Bleacher Report or Sports Illustrated because they didn't do anything, that it doesn't matter. So a team that I don't think is going to do anything? Yeah. Like a, a, like a Dodgers, a Cardinals, a Yankees that doesn't do anything. I, I think the Yankees are more likely to not to be that team. Yeah. Um, and I was telling somebody the other day, like, they don't have a lot of pulls. They could use bullpen help. Yep. Um, but they picked up Matt Carpenter off the scrap heap. Yeah. Nobody paid attention at the time, but all that guy does is hit home runs. Yep. So Wild. they, yeah, they got an extra bat. Um, I don't trust their full rotation after like Cole and Cortez, but I think they're fine. And especially losing King for the season out of the bullpen, they could use some help. Um, so they, they could probably make, um, uh, a not so sexy pick, a pickup that gets panned, but I think they they're probably the team that can afford not to panic and make a big move. Yeah, I that's a good one. I was going to say maybe the Dodgers because they have so much talent, but maybe they same like, reasons. Yeah, yeah, for the same reasons, maybe they pick up a back end of the of the rotation guy that ends up being useful and maybe comes out of the bullpen in the, in the playoffs, something like that. But maybe they not have like so many guys. They they have so many guys that could have started the all-star game could have been in the all-star game and they have other guys who are set to come back from injuries exactly yeah that that team you know don't get soto because baseball would suck for the next 10 years yeah if they had soto and bets in the outfield with everybody else that they have yeah exactly (laughs) it'd have to be a a david stern saying no 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 chris paul cannot go to the lakers He's going to the Clippers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send him to he's, he's got to go to the Angels. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a plot twist that would be. Soto for Otani. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, this has been so much fun. Again, we'll have to have you on as a guest picker for football. That'll be that would be right. awesome. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, man, I had a good time. Uh, you know how to reach me. Let's do it again. Absolutely. And maybe we'll follow up after we actually get some trades. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. But, everybody, thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get it. Matt, where can people find you on social media? Um, my name, at Matt underscore Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S. Awesome. You follow the Bullpen Cart at ThunderBLG on Twitter, Thunderbox Sports on Instagram. But for Matt Marcus, I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great week, and let's go Phils.